Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling, tantalising episode of the Bond Daft Project. Ranking Bond continues. Today we are talking about the vehicles of the Bond franchise. Essentially, this will be any sequence with anything that can be construed as a vehicle. So, horses all the way to tanks, to helicopters, to gyrocopters, to, well... The Aston Martin, <laughs> Bond's classic vehicle. But of course, joining me for this one, my three Bond aficionados remotely, Francis Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. Steve McCall. A very good afternoon to you all. And Gordon Webster. Good afternoon, old buddy. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, yeah, we are here ranking Bond again. This one we've discussed before recording we're not going to do the collective debate where we try and get to a winner in top three this one is just going to be bring in your own what's your favorite talking about a few, or a few of your favorites we wouldn't have to always be just one and if there's any worse ones you want to discuss of course that is fully welcome uh let's kick this off with gordon what is your favorite or one of the bond vehicles throughout the franchise that you feel you want to nominate as your favorite Going to have to pull out the big guns straight away, Steve. I'm going to go for the Aston Martin DB5 out of Goldfinger and Thunderball and a few later ones as well. Yeah, this is the car that was used kind of the most, isn't it? It's seen the kind of Goldeneye had it as well, I think, didn't it? Yeah, Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, Skyfall, but most, um, well, most notably in Goldfinger. uh, In terms of I was about to say Goldfinger and Thunderball, but then Thunderball it makes um it's actually a couple of fairly brief cameos and and Bond's not really using much much of the gadgets in it. But yeah, I mean that it just had to be. I mean we've I did it as our our logo for the podcast, man. It's it's just it's an icon of it's one of the most iconic cars I would say or vehicles in in cinema history. It's, and the kind of stuff that that was actually fitted into it in Goldfinger is. It's, it's just a multitude of things. Obviously, you've got the the ejector seat. You must you be know, joking. Had, had, yeah. The the fact um, again, it, what I love is hidden gadgetry. So the buttons hidden under the the lids on the gear stick, and then you've got one one of the best bits about the Aston Martin actually is the the actual revolving number plates that came from I think Guy Hamilton got a lot of parking tickets. He was the director of Goldfinger. And he, he said to people, you know, I, I really wish I could just change my number plate so they wouldn't recognize my car. And it's just it's just, just such a cool thing. Obviously, Bond has to go between different countries. He's got a choice of like at least four different number plates to actually disguise the car. But, I mean, over and above that, it's it's just a beautiful looking car. You know, it's, it was, it's a kind of, for that time, I mean, I would imagine... It's the sort of car everybody would have been wanting to drive in 1964 when Goldfinger was made. You know, yeah. it's kind of, and, and then you've got parts of it that are sort of rooted in the real spy world. Again, like you know, it's it's not like all guns blazing all out there. It's you know the the there's very small machine guns hidden behind the headlights and all that. It's and of course and the the sat nav. I mean, who's gonna have a sat nav in 1964? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it is iconic. Um, you know, it's one of the my favourite scenes is with Q when he's telling him it's kind of the first scene of that that's that style. Now pay attention, 007. It kind of 
you know, as he's going over all the different mm-hmm. modifications the car's got. Uh, yeah, fantastic. The way that the gadgets are used, I think, in Goldfinger is is pretty much one of the best things about that film. Um, there's so much humour from it. And yeah, fantastic car. Sleek, powerful, speedy. It's sort of the perfect vehicle for Bond, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, it's just... Uh... Like I said, it's just such a, a great looking car. There's so many cars these days that just aren't very easy on the eye. It was just, and then because Goldfinger had his kind of classic car as well. Obviously, Goldfinger had his Rolls Royce. You see the two of them beside one another at, just after the golf game. And what I really love there, this goes back to again just how cool Connery looked throughout that film. He's obviously after beating Goldfinger at golf. He's kind of He's hanging around the car, just kind of looking dead smug. One hat, the classic kind of Pon- Connery pose, one hand in his his pocket, and then and Oddjob's just giving them this evil stare. But I think Oddjob's like packing the golf clubs into Goldfinger's car. But it's good. It kind of gives it that edge how Goldfinger's got his kind of classic car, and Bond's got his, and just the whole thing of him tailing him through Switzerland, and it just obviously the way Connery looks, the clo- great close up shots from like behind the behind the the wheel, and then. Not just that, there's the chase with Tilly Masterson when she fires the sniper rifle and Bond, so Bond's focus is suddenly off Goldfinger and it's now onto the this this girl that's just come out of nowhere on another cool looking car. They've got that nice little jewel over, over the Alps in Switzerland, which that's another thing. And of course the tire slasher, that's see for me the likes of the machine guns is that's a bit sort of too obvious. It's more of a I like the kind of clever or subtler things like the hidden sat-nav, the hidden tire slasher. It was just, it's so ahead of its time. We, we talk about like Bond and the Bond world technology was that maybe like, let's say like 10 years, 15 years ahead of reality. It was just, I mean, seeing that in the cinema for the first time, obviously you never really, to me, I don't think you really got anything like that in, in films up to that point in action movies. Hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yep. Is there any... Uh... Others you want to talk about? Is there any ones that you don't are the worst vehicle of the uh, franchise, or would you like to come to them later? Uh well, I'll maybe come to one or two of the the lesser ones later on. But a couple of sort of runners up where the the Otis Esprit was just it, it was the perfect spy hole of me nineteen seventy seven. It was it was like the Aston Martin of its time. I I mean that's maybe really pushing things for. You know, taking Bond into real heightened reality levels, a car that actually turns into a submarine. But yeah, that that was sort of the Aston Martin of the seventies, if you like. And it just it, the more Roger Moore's Bond, the sort of glint in his eye, there was always a a, a smile and a wink with Roger Moore. That that car kind of suited him. It was so low down, it was so sleek. That was just perfect for Moore. The way that the DB five was perfect for Connery. Yep, and I would say, yeah. Maybe I'll say, for example, like the little Nelly was good. You you mentioned that in the previous podcast, Steve. Just uh, it's the fact is that this mini helicopter and the fact we know that it was a real helicopter. There was a guy who actually manufactured it, and it, I think it was brought in three different suitcases. And while Q's given Bond a lecture, you see them, you see it getting gradually unpacked and built together, which is you know that's that's kind of cool. But but yeah, it's just a case of um, something that just sort of really fits into that era and I like I mentioned before I mean going back to the DB5 briefly the 
I like the idea. You know how I, I said, for example, they maybe shouldn't have brought it back as much as they did in the later films. It should have maybe just made a couple of cameos and Goldeneye tomorrow never dies, and that's it. As much as I like that, I like the idea of like Brosnan's Bond or Craig's Bond. It's kind of in keeping with Bond's character, thinking like he's one of his hobbies with like classic cars. It's like in his spare time, he likes ripping down the country roads and a, a cool nine sixties Aston Martin. So I can kind of, I think that's. That's why I think like the Goldeneye chase works really well. It's like Bond's and that is Bond in his spare time and in France he's just tearing down the the Alps or her, you know, and obviously Xenia appears in her Ferrari and then it's it's the opposites as well there. You know, you've got Xenia in a really up to date Ferrari and Bond this old car and it's like I don't care how fast your Ferrari goes, this may be a nineteen sixties car, but you know, I can still go as fast as you, do you know what I mean? Yep. It's uh it was done well in that film, I think. Yeah, I loved how they revived it. Steve, what about yourself? Um, yes, I, I kind of figured that God would bring out the big guns, so I think I'm going to go out. I'm going to try and go a little more left field and look at some of the, I suppose, lesser obvious, but still particularly outstanding vehicles of the Bond franchise. And the one I think I'm going to start with is I can, one that I think I tried to bring in last week, and we figured, actually, you know what? It's not the best place for it. So I think this is probably the home for it. And this is Tanaka's personal underground oh, train. Yeah. And I just, obviously, it belongs to it's, it. It belongs to a Bond ally. He's a uh, head of Japanese intelligence. And I think what you want from a Bond film is sort of outlandishness. Is kind of if you were in that position, if you were a rich businessman or head of an intelligence agency or something like that, you'd want the dream. You know, the dream would be the fast cars, the personal assistants, the sort of life of luxury. And I think just having your own network of underground, effectively your own London tube system underneath Tokyo, all for yourself to get about. And just the kind of blasé nature with which he kind of introduced, oh yeah, yeah, I've, of course I've got an underground train. Doesn't yeah. doesn't your MI6 boss have one of these? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I think it kind of just encapsulates the sort of ridiculousness, but at the same time you look at it and go, I want that. In the same way that you look at Bond and, you know, Bond wouldn't be the same if he was driving a Honda Civic. You want the DB5 or the Lotus or the BMW or whatever he's driving. It's that kind of outlandish but um completely over the top out of this world wouldn't ever happen but still very very cool um and i think that kind of that there's just there's something about that particular train that i just keep coming back to that because obviously there are others with trains you've got obviously goldeneye the villain has a train i can't remember the other film where there's a train but yeah, I know well, there's one. that's the one with the circus yes i knew that was it um but yeah, this is just, it's, it's the way it's introduced, the way it's used. It's, it only plays a sort of short cameo, but it's, I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's definitely going to be my mention for the vehicle that kind of stands out most to me if we're not going for the, the obvious ones. Cause there's, there's a number of vehicles, which I think are going to come up in this discussion anyway, that are the classics. Obviously we've, we've hit the DB5 straight on. Um, in terms of other ones, we Little Nelly got a mention from Gordon. I'm also going to give it an honorary mention because, again, I think it's fantastic the way it is brought in by three people and assembled, and the way Tanaka goes, "Oh God, no! Don't don't get into that. Use my helicopter." Was like, "No, no, I know this thing works." And as I kind of put together rudimentary, very sort of British, we've assembled this, we've made this ourselves. It's going to work. 
And then just the actual dogfight involving it is just brilliant. It's an excellent little scene. Yeah. The way I love the way as well, Steve, when Q's given a very brief briefing about it, and Bond takes up into the air and does a couple of passes, and he just skims over Q's head <laughs> and <laughs> just his reaction. It's just it's that kind of show of dominance. It's like, yeah, you might you might have built this thing, but I can damn well drive it. Yeah. I'm going to show you it, which I love. Um, and I think the final one I'm going to bring, and like I said earlier, I was I deliberately went into Google and looked up the definition of vehicle. To make sure it fits. And a vehicle apparently is a thing, emphasis on the word thing, used for transporting people or goods. I think I know where you're going, but I'm really interested to see what this is. <laughs> Which is what I'm going to bring in the channel case from the Living Daylights. Oh, right. Okay, that's not the one I thought you were going to do. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I, I suppose there's, there are a lot of things in Bond that kind of end up being used as vehicles because he gets about in the most bizarre of manners, I suppose. Um, but just because it's a particularly... It's one of the few... Um, I suppose edging towards humorous scenes involving Timothy Dawson, and he pulls it off and gets away with it. And particularly just going through the the passport control, show the passports and stuff like that. Um, and it's 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 an innovative again. It's Bond's sort of spy thinking. He's he needs a way to escape. What's he got handy? A woman carrying a very cumbersome, massive musical instrument. You know what? I'm going to use this as my escape route. That's spy thinking. That is using your initiative, using what's ever around you to um, ensure that you and the person you're looking after don't come to any harm. So I think, I just because just it's a great little scene, I'm going to include that in my list of vehicles as well. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Fran, what about yourself? Okay, so I'm actually kind of glad for my list now because nobody's mentioned any of the stuff I've got. Now, my sort of way of looking at this was stuff that I just remembered. So... When I sat down and thought about Bond vehicles, and I mean any kind of vehicle in Bond, what's the first f- four or five that just came into my mind? And that was kind of my my thing for it, because the effect of the vehicle, I think, was important for me. If it's, it's if, it, if it comes into my head very quickly, then it's obviously done something that's memorable, and it's not just going to be me that feels that way. So that was the only criteria. Again, it's a vehicle. Like Steve McCall was saying, a thing that transports people or goods, and it's memorable. So the first one, it's kind of collective. So it's um, the helicopters, the kind of or the helicopter. Sorry, I think the slightly futuristic looking one at the time from 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 Russia with love. Mm. I think it's that scene in the, the Scottish Highlands is where it was filmed. Yeah, and that came into my head because there was a couple of reasons for that. I think it was like knowing where it was filmed, and also. I remember being fascinated at the time by how to people from the 1960s, 1963, that would have looked amazingly futuristic and really, really cool, you know? Whereas yeah, to us, that's oh, like a helicopter, I was just going to say, Fran, was maybe, I don't know, was there many like that at that time, kind of? Um, it looked like it sort of opened the sides, it was, it was just glass, I mean, the glass was like the one Goldfinger had. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, yeah, I think there was ones... Obviously, as helicopters were getting developed further and further, there was designs they were trying out, and there was, you know, you you tended to see that kind of dome-like, very open, almost kind of like mechano-like tail on helicopters into the kind of the sixties into the eighties, and then they started to change, you know. But um, yeah, I just I find it quite I find the historic the the time period it's set. I think makes that vehicle quite iconic, you know, because you can imagine the audience reaction to that scene 
in the cinema. I mean, it would have been incredible. They would have it would have been blown their minds to see something like that. Especially a lot of people who imagine guys who'd fought in like World War Two, and then this is twenty years down the line. They would have flown planes, you know, seeing a helicopter maneuvering around like that in the, the air, you know, mm-hmm. just in a movie. I mean, you're talking like. Just over twenty years after the end of World War Two, which is not—that's like us looking back to the year two thousand. It's not that long ago to these folk, you know. So that's the first vehicle, I suppose, that popped into my head. The second one, interestingly enough, was the stealth ship from Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh right, okay, yeah. And I remember—I mean, that was the only thing about. Well, I quite like Tomorrow Never Dies. I suppose I can't remember what I rated it now, but um, I think it was fours for most of us, maybe yeah. three and a half for a couple. Yeah, I mean, I never hated the film, but... Yeah, because the stealth ship, it, see, I think they did that quite well because it had a very unique look, but it wasn't like getting into League of the Invisible Car a couple of films later. It was, it was something you could you could imagine in the Bond world, but the likes of an invisible car, on the other hand, had no place in the Bond world well, from that's, that standpoint. That's true, yeah, because the thing is, the stealth ship is made out of stuff similar to like a stealth plane anyway. So it's it's something that you could make. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the ship is, I mean, it's got that, it's a weird cat, catamaran-looking thing, and it goes around. But what stuck in my mind about it, I remember going to the cinema to see Tomorrow Never Dies and being quite amazed by that whole bit at the start where um, you could see this ship attacking a British ship. And then, do you know what I mean? And then gunning down all the soldiers and things like that. And... It really stuck in my mind. I mean, it kind. Of, I mean, looking back at it now, it kind of um, well, it's amusing in a in a way that it's kind of the it's it's almost like Rupert Murdoch just decided to go to war with the British government or something like that. Quite literally, like a, a media guy, you know, has built this ship is patently ridiculous in every way. But the vehicle itself, I think, as well. Do you remember the fight on the vehicle? And and you had like the most dedicated henchman ever. What was his name? Again, Mr. Stamper. Mr. Stamper. <laughs> yeah, so the the vehicle allowed us to see some quite cool things as well. I mean, it was the setting for th- some cool stuff, you know? Um, and I, I do like the idea of... I just like the idea of someone coming up with such a... Cl- I mean, for a Bond villain, this is a very clever and very realistic idea. Let's create a vehicle that is undetectable, that can be used to start conflicts for me to report on. I mean, maybe the for me to report on bit is a bit ridiculous, but the idea of wanting to kind of do things in the background like that is quite a plausible idea. I mean, that is, again, happening probably right now somewhere. Not that they're building a ship like this, but there are going to be politicians and leaders and various people that are manoeuvring. It's very realistic, but particularly the vehicle stuck in my mind because of the, the, the sequence at the beginning with that you know, a, a a British ship getting attacked by it and all that kind of thing. I thought it was really, it really stuck in my mind. Um, the other one is Max Zorin's Zeppelin. Yeah. Which I, I love, and I love it. Although, we're, I think, yeah, I suppose. I love it for yeah. different reasons. You know, I love it because, I mean, what he did to that, remember the guy that he was like, oh, you don't accept my plan? All right, see you later. And then the guy just walks away and he just opens the door and he goes, that's him. I love that. Um, I love that sequence. And that was another bit with the Goldfinger parallels. It's like, remember Mr. Solo and Goldfinger? Because mm-hmm. we said there was a lot of parallels between those two films. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, as well, I, 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 
really liked the end, but I feel like the vehicle, the importance of writing to me, I mean, I have to explain all the time how narrative works and what devices are and how writers use them and things like that. And I think I appreciate the vehicles as much as being vehicles as how they are used in order to, to communicate certain things or for certain things to happen. And one of my favourite scenes in um, uh, that entire movie, actually, is the bit where they're at the... Is it San Francisco Bridge? Mm-hmm. And Golden Gate. You, oh, Golden... Aye. That's San Francisco. So you, yeah, yeah. And you've got... Um, there's that character that is like Max Zorin's almost like father figure type guy or something. Evil and Q. And he's so... Pre- I mean, evil we, Q. We dubbed him as uh-huh. Evil Q, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's... It, it, the vehicle has a, a starring role in that final part there where you get to see how much this guy would sacrifice for Zorin, do you know what I mean? And it's it's all and do you know what I mean? Like the, the vehicle and, and I think Zeppelins are quite iconic and Zeppelins have a very villainous feel to them because the Nazis were big fans of Zeppelins, weren't they? You know, it's a very kind of that kind of image. Mm-hmm. Big Zeppelins with like Nazi flags on the side of them and not big swastikas and things like that. It's that kind of I mean you see it in the man in the high is it the man in the high castle? I haven't called. seen that, but yeah. I heard it's good. Um, it, yeah. But you kind of see Zeppelins flying about in that. As far as I remember, I th- I, like alternate futures where the Nazis won. It's almost like technology would have gone in a slightly different way. So Zeppelin villain to me is a strong connection. So That makes sense. Ah, but of course, yeah. But remember the, the guy I that you were saying is Evil Q, Dr. Mortimer. He was meant to be a former Nazi concentration camp officer. He was yeah. maybe one of the war criminals, so that's a maybe a, a deliberate connection. And also, was Zorin not some sort of Nazi Aye. experiment or something? I thought I thought it was a Soviet experiment. Aye, Soviet. From, well, I think he was maybe was it not meant to be. He was derived from Mortimer's experiments at the concentration camps. Right, so mm. definitely, there's a lot of connections there. Yeah, that that, that fits really well, actually. Uh, I'd never thought of the the Zeppelin in that way as well. That's interesting. Fair play. And we're going to we're going to segue into another bit of hot air transport can anyone guess what it's going to be is this another of your favorites yeah oh uh, yeah i know it i exactly i know it, what it, particular Gordon, films you say it for your boat it's it, my prediction is it's going to be the hot air balloon out of octopussy mm-hmm. yes yeah. it yeah is. i love q's hot air balloon and in fact i love that whole sequence i love the i love when q gets a chance to do some stuff and um, what was the Dalton one where Q gets to go along with him a bit in the movie? Ah, right. So I love those two. Fil- I love those two for that reason. Um, but I, I just love the the the, the idea of like, just Q turning up in this outfit and this hot air balloon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A hot air balloon is probably the worst vehicle in the universe for attacking anybody. Do you know what I mean? One slight <laughs> thing in the the fabric, you know. Did, and a did Union nobody... Jack hot air balloon at that. Oh, uh, yeah, let's just signpost exactly who what side we're on, you know. I mean, somebody could have fired a bow and arrow at that thing, and it would have been over for Q. He would have been in a ball of flames, you know, like yeah. within two seconds. But it's just, it's that. I mean, now when people say, "Oh, he just talks a load of hot air," right? That vehicle is like the embodiment of the James Bond franchise's hot air and ridiculousness at times. It's like. The implausibility of it is the charm. Do you know what I mean? It's knowing. It's a it's a self deprecating, mm-hmm. self referential mm-hmm. vehicle. You know, 
again, very well done. I mean, the writers must have sat down and laughed when they were writing that, thinking this is just absolutely insane. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what adds to some plausibility, Fran? Do you remember Bond or Q has a watch that has a little LCD screen that uh-huh. shows Octopussy and her circus girls fighting all Kamal Khan's men and Q's like, oh, they seem to be doing all right. But it's like he, he seems to be able to switch between cameras at like a perfect angle to zoom in <laughs> and every person fine. It's as though Q's got drones or something. I mean, we know Q's <laughs> good with technology. He's probably got some like 1980s drone. Well, I, 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 you know, to go to a slightly like different version of that, I find that really funny. Like, see when you watch old programs and like they're doing re- like that, maybe they've they're showing someone else a video or something that's happened, but the video's shot as if it's like it's just scenes from the TV show, <laughs> like yeah. for people's own perspective. Right, hang on, I've that's got to go and answer the door. Me, yeah. Back in a sec, guys. Hang on. Oh, oh well. Oh, I thought you were saying that as like part of the. Yeah, so did I. I thought he was doing as an example or something. Should we wait for him? I guess. I was just trying. He to was work. in the middle of it. Yeah, we'll wait yeah. for him. It's insane. Just looking into the Wikipedia article on Bond vehicles, um, it is just how so many. It is amazing. Yeah, list of James Bond vehicles, and it's got. <laughs> Every type of road vehicle, train, everything. I love with Yanis's train, Trevelyan's train, just how evil looking it is. I, the I, armor on I, it. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna get away. I was trying to say what my favorite is about, about that. Few but that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't hear you. Yeah, hang on. That was a double decker bus. That's hilarious. Yeah, I got a letter. Okay, oh, Good, Fran. I didn't. I just seen legs there, and I was like. Wearing shorts, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh wow, we're. Uh, I, I didn't. I'm glad you're wearing shorts. Uh, it's not just like I'm, I'm not just wearing a pair of pants or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like white Y fronts turn around. There's fucking like marks all over them and all that. It's just horrible. Yeah, do you imagine? yeah. <laughs> like something out of um, what is it? The young ones or something like that. But no, I've, I've definitely got. I've got a pair of Star Wars shorts on. Okay. Very cool, very cool. Not very fitting with this theme, but anyways, all right. I think I've actually got another qualification here. Hang on. Right, hang on, let me just show you if it is what I think it is. I'm glad that Roger Moore's face behind you is there to witness this <laughs> moment. <laughs> and here we go. Oh, yeah, look at that. I'm, I'm an even more specific teacher now. I'm teaching the Catholic schools. You're... Disappear. There we go. Nice. Seriously, what do you have to do to get that? I have to prove that I know hunters and hunters of things about Catholicism. That shouldn't be too hard for you, considering your background and your family. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because it like I actually ended up getting qualified from Strathclyde and Glasgow Uni in the same year on two different things. <laughs> nice. Very do you good. have to show membership of a church or anything like that, or do you just have to show a sort of basic knowledge of all that stuff? Um, I mean, basically. You pretty much have to be a Catholic with a provable association to the church, same uh, as you would right. be. Any, I mean, like, so did you imagine, stay to tell them you were an altar boy for a while, and that was it? Uh, no, well, we, I had to get a priest I knew from the past to write up a reference. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same as anything, isn't it? Like, I mean, imagine you couldn't go and teach religion to Jewish kids or Muslim kids if you didn't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, we'll see. So, we'll sorry, on you go. No, I was just going to say, see, see when um, 
when Q poses as uh, he poses a piece. I wonder if he's got somebody to forge like a pretend qualification that he actually is qualified in that particular church. <laughs> Probably. Um, what would it be? Orthodox? Yeah. Greek Orthodox or something like that, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, apart from that weird interruption there, um, so what was I saying? I was just talking about the hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. That, okay. I mean, that was my... I think, you know, I'm actually quite... Uh, I'm quite pleased with my wee list. I think it was it, it's an eclectic list. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Very much so. Is that it then? Yeah. The hot air balloon's your final one. And um Royal Mail as well. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh yeah, fantastic choices there, guys. Uh certainly a few that I could have easily put as my number one. I'm still debating really. I think um I'll mention a few that uh come to mind. Gordon, we just spoke probably off air. Um, the train from Goldeneye. Um, I know I'm playing the character, the Goldeneye fan, um, but I wouldn't be a, a podcast where I don't mention it in some form. But I think Yanis's armored train uh, is just brilliant design. I know that it technically also falls under villain layer in a sense, um, but I think it's. Uh, I just think. The model work, as well as obviously there was, I think they must have used some of it as practical as well um, at the Neen Valley Road uh, Railway. But I just love that design. And as Gordon, you mentioned, it's got that evil look to it. It's so distinctive, isn't it? And and to what you were saying, Fran, it's how they were used as well. I love that entire ensemble section of the film. So after the amazing, uh, well, I I think it's really good. The the tank chase in St. Petersburg and then it culminates in that section with uh, Bond and the and the, the three villains and Natalia, uh, the kind of standoff, great dialogue between all the characters but the other ones that I could put above it or equal to it would be uh, Fran, Tomorrow Never Dies you mentioned the stealth ship, for me it's actually the, the action sequence um, and you mentioned how the storytelling, like the way that the vehicle is used to tell storytelling. I think the the action sequence with Wei Lin uh, mm-hmm. and Bond has a lot of storytelling subtly going on with the motorbike sequence. So in, in China, when the two of them rush, they're obviously trying to escape the villains and they're trying to find a vehicle. They find the bike and they're fighting over who's the driver and they're sort of handcuffed to each other and it's obviously I think that I was watching a documentary recently and the, the director um, had said to both actors separately no you're going to be the driver you're going to fight for that you're convinced you have to drive the, the bike so he wanted that kind of tension so there was a moment they didn't also know that the other one had been told that so there was a half moment where they're kind of like struggling, like no, 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 I, I'm, I'm driving. I, no, no, that's me, which I think added to the scene. Obviously, Bond, kind of, he ends up uh, leading and driving the vehicle. Wayland sort of manly uh, sorts the clutch, but I think it leads to that fantastic chase sequence through the streets with the the helicopter, um, which I thought was terrifying. It's the way the helicopter is used, and it starts the propellers rotating through an entire crowd absolutely loved it it's it's probably even better than the tank chase sequence in goldeneye which is what he was trying to go for um because obviously he realized how successful this is obviously two years later from goldeneye and they knew they had a lot to try and 
that was like the big moment of the film for a lot of people at the time. And she was like, how do we how do we try and top that? Obviously, Bond's driving a big vehicle this time will go small and make them really vulnerable. And I think it was really effective. So yeah, that was and again, we Waylin. You know, she's great. She's it was her character as well. That was the thing. She was just as a, as um, efficient as Bond. You know, there's a point when she grabs like a steel pipe and as he's like driving the uh, the bike. And you know, she's she's been quite kind of resourceful, and I quite like that. It says a lot about her character. Again, little tiny moments in an action sequence that the Bond franchise is sometimes you know not been as effective they've had you know comedy moments a lot of the time with the sheriff pepper stuff during the moore era uh so that was for me the the action sequence in the bike uh but yeah the other ones we've covered would have been on my little nelly and uh of course the aston martins would have been uh some of my favorites i think the one in, we haven't mentioned the living daylights i really like that the gadgets and the living daylights i remember laughing out loud when the the sort of i think it's a, is it the laser comes out of the side of the of the car and it's the way dalton just plays it down as well you know because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's he's so serious but all these crazy gadgets and things are happening or like this madness of an action sequence that actually kind of worked for the humor he isn't really known for it but i think his seriousness paid off in that moment so that would be some of my favorites and the last one i would mention i don't know if it counts as a gadget it's, it's the one i thought you were going to steve when you were gonna when you went with the the uh cello cello case yeah well, I was thinking you were going to go with the jetpack, but it's ah. probably it's probably more of a gadget. Maybe I think that's I think we may have discussed it on the gadget one. I can't remember, but there's uh, a few that kind of bridge that gap, and it's I mean it it certainly transports yeah bombs, exactly hilariously, <laughs> but it transports them. So I think it it, yeah. it could count as a vehicle. It takes them from one place to another. Yeah, it wouldn't be in my top or anything, but I feel like it's uh, worthy of talking about the the breadth of the the vehicles we've got i mean looking over the list i was saying to you guys when you look up the list of bond vehicles it is insane the different uh cars and and you know trains planes everything automobiles uh and yeah it's it's incredible they've they've really done you know each film it must be so hard to try and think of what they're going to do to top the action scenes of the previous film well i think that's why what you know it's very much why you had that sort of reset button pushed with casino royale mm. and a car becomes a car again yeah you know and it and it's got the you also, know the defibrillator inside that do you know what i mean it, it and then you slowly start to build it back up again yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. you kind of have to well yeah have to take things back again but, i mean i was just going to say like if they had continued i mean there's only so far you could take it before it just i mean it's touched upon that before i mean it has touched upon that before like um bond going into space and the space shuttle and the space battle with the the the, the space force or whatever the hell was going on you know and it's you know you get to a point the space station's exploding i mean it's fun but it's it it takes it that little bit too far well that's... that little bit you know where you're like hmm yeah, that's probably where we could talk about our least favourite then. Let's kind of just quickly discuss some of our least... I mean, I think well, there's I, an eight... There's I was almost entirely... I mean, I was almost entirely put off cars in general by the slide whistle bit. Mm. Um, you know, it just... Well, that's a shame because that's not even the stunt or the car that's the issue. It's literally that little sound. Addition to the soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, it's... I'm trying to think of at least favorite vehicles. It's got to be diamonds. Uh, diamonds die another day. Well, see, it's the invisible I was car. just going to say very briefly though one which probably I hadn't forgot 
remembered for ages, but a good sort of runner-up, another one, is the wet bike out of... It's like we jet ski and spy who love me because it's quite a practical thing that, you know, you can oh, imagine yeah. that would exist in real life. Do you know, it's yeah. funny, Gordon, actually, because similarly to that, do you remember that sort of surfboard parachute thing that was in Die Another Day? That's not good, though. That's, Which that I hated, but, but they're quite similar. It's kind of similar, but I would, used entirely differently. If we're talking about how they're used, to me, both that segment and also the the, the, the invisible car entirely would make the worst vehicles uh, and how they've been used. And that is essentially why we had a reset button for the next film in Casino Royale. Do you know what I want to know is, like, see if MI6 could make an object invisible. Why didn't they do it to their agents? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would make a lot more sense rather than make, yeah, the most cumbersome thing. It's like having an invisible tank or something like that. It's all very well yeah. not seeing it, but the noise and the tracks. Uh-huh. So that's the thing. Do you remember the bit when the invisible car was driving up behind folk and <laughs> was right behind them and you're thinking to yourself, are you not seeing the tire tracks? You don't hear the sound? I mean, you don't hear the, because it was a, was that a BMW? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It was a car that it would have had, a, it was a big engined car. If it wasn't a V8 or something like that, it was like a five litre petrol thing. So it's not, it wasn't exactly a, you know, a, um, little electric car or something uh, like that yeah and they, they weren't even i mean they were managing by some incredible i mean the thing that blew my mind it's like technology from like three thousand years in the future but like they were cloaking the exhaust as well so all the emanations that were coming every particle of exhaust that was coming out was cloaked how in the hell is that possible you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's not where were those fumes going because if the whole thing was cloaked that suggests that the fumes were remaining in the car with bond yeah, yeah. Like 50 minutes in that car he'd be he'd be dead yeah so i'm All guessing this will be a, oh, i think the invisible cars are shoeing for this then isn't it's, it it's, there's no way oh. there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than an invisible car absolutely no, not. absolutely yes it's awful what about an invisible helicopter you can just hear really See, loudly this is the thing <laughs> See most of most of the gadgets and vehicles in Bond, you can in even the really over the top ones. Most of them, they would, if you try and imagine in the real world, there's somehow a way most of them would work to some degree. But how could how could you realistically ever have an invisible car apart from maybe like Predator style invisibility at one side only? Do you know what I mean? Well, you can now. They've come up with invisibility now, and it's been worked on. But in a car, it would be useless because if you know, it would you two minutes on the roads, and someone would if you stopped a set of traffic like someone's going to take you right out. No, no, uh, if, you're, like, if you're parked in a space, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's good in a car. I'm just saying it's something that's not like back then. It would have been impossible, but now, no, that is that is true. Invisibility I've seen is like invisibility cloaks. Using but the thing is, like, stuff. My question is always this. Sorry, I'm eating like chocolate raisins, which is why I sound like I'm a complete idiot. But basically, what I want to know is, what is invisibility good for? What would you use it for? Like, like you said, Steve, in a car it would cause accidents. In a but plane, a, it probably would cause accidents as well. As clothing, as a person, being able to sneak into places where you're not meant to be—that uh-huh. that's kind of the ultimate. That's that's the only real to make a person invisible, or if you were trying to permanently hide something. Uh Yeah, I suppose both of which are quite sneaky. Yeah. So really, there's not really a... The only place it would be used is like the spy world, probably. I can't see it ever being used anywhere else. It's It's not everyday use for it, yeah. Yeah, it's one of these things 
where it had no place in a Bond movie. The whole concept of an invisible car, I'd love to know who came up with that. And it's kind of like the the first proper sex scene in Die Another Day. And it's one of these things that's not really right for the Bond world. It's like, oh, that wouldn't it be great if we just have an invisible car? Wouldn't it be great if we, we actually have a proper sex scene in Bond? It's like, it's just trying to... It's like that was where I felt that movie was getting towards. Like they're making it like the Matrix. What happened in that sex scene as well, Because we can. But what was that sex scene again? It's the one after the overly graphic um, aftermath. Huh? I, 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 for some reason, when Gordon was saying that, I was thinking it was in the car. The way you were saying that, but you just mean that it was their. It was the Bond first ever sex scene. But to me, who was it? He was with again. I would say Golden. I had one, even though it's not Bond, isn't it? But um, it was. But that uh, was done so much better. Oh yeah, yeah, the Halle Berry scene. Oh my you god! See his face afterwards. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it was too. <laughs> we too we don't want to see that. Not not with no. Bond. We love Bond, but we don't want to see that. But don't I mean, see his O face. Ah, uh, yeah. die another day was just the complete epitome of the makers going. What haven't we done before? Exactly. It, that's what it I got mean. to. The, yeah, you're absolutely right. It got to that point where, if you start thinking that way, you're going to end up with something completely ridiculous. You're only using it because it's never been done before. You know, how hasn't Bond entered a uh, an enemy area surfboard? All right, let's chuck that in because he's oh, not just because not because it'll be good, just because he's never done it. Well, I'm just glad it's that most of the world doesn't live in a way that we we do things just because we haven't done them before. Uh, I've never stuck my hand in fire before. I'll just give it a go, you know, like whatever you've not done. You know, what am I going to do today? It has to be something I've never done. Eventually it would get to the point where you were just, God knows what you'd be up to. Oh, that's I feel that's what they were doing with that yeah, that's yeah. like um. Oh, we've never seen Bond at a football game. Let's have him rock up at a Chelsea game. Or we've never, we've never seen Bond go to the you know the bookies. Let's show him going in the bookies. You know, just that's that film forty-five was just minutes. Totally... I'd love to see Bond like decked out in a tuxedo going into William Hill and like getting a wee cup of tea in a plastic cup. You know, yeah. It's like that. That whole film was just let's take Bond, let's turn it up to eleven, just because we can. We have, I don't know if it's Lee Tamahori, maybe the director, or maybe Neil Purvis and Robert Wade as the writers having an off day. I, I don't feel so much it was them, but someone in there in that film has said, let's just turn everything right up to 11. Just forget the fact that, forget the world that Bond lives in. We have no understanding of that. We have no understanding of the concept of Bond or the books. James Bond's an action hero. Halle Berry is an action hero. So let's just have them doing action hero type things it's like the batman and robin of the yeah of the bond franchise and a lot of franchises around that era had to learn the hard way of what makes sort of good cinema good storytelling they they they've been long going and been successful because they made so much money the batman franchise in the mid 90s made so much money from commercial selling toys and action figures all these things and they lost sight of the fact that their films, the actual performances and the writing were getting weaker and weaker with each time until they hit the lowest point, which is what Batman and Robin did. They had to stop the franchise for like, was it eight years or something? Was it 2000? Yeah, eight years, 1997 to 2005. They didn't bring Batman back. Shelved the entire franchise because they had done so much damage with that one film. And again, it was similar for Bond, not quite as drastic four-year gap for that, where they had to rein things in and they look, had to have a hard look at themselves. But yeah, anyways, I don't know how... Yeah, <laughs> Die Another Day, not uh, not a great film. And uh, 
It's vehicles we can, I think we can safely say nearly every vehicle section and vehicle used in that film, maybe beside the hovercraft stuff at the beginning, is the worst of the franchise. Agreed. Okay, on that note, we will end this podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again for our next ranking episode, which will be up when it's up. Okay, thanks guys. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye.